two, one, boom. Hotep Jesus. Of all the Jesuses I know, he's the Hotepiest. Social scientist and YouTube host, Hotep Jesus. How the fuck do you get a name like Hotep Jesus? The one and only Hotep Jesus. Ryan Sharp, better known to the world as Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Somebody said... What do you think you are? Some kind of Hotep Jesus? Ooh, and that's I was good. Like, ooh, that's sexy. <laughs> yes, I do think I'm Hotep <laughs> Jesus. What's up, Hoteps? Welcome to the Griff Report live Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. I'm your host, the Griff God. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep. Hotep. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Oh, this is a real Hotep, brother. Hotep to the chat. Hotep to the Hotep of Stanies. Hotep. What up, y'all? I got a special guest here with me today. We broadcasting live from the Hotep cave somewhere in Hotep of Stan. I got me joining me today, Matt Christensen. Matt Christensen, what's up, man? Welcome to the channel. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. That's a sweet soundboard you got there. I need to step up my game that's pretty cool <laughs> my collection of celebrity shout outs yeah i really yeah. appreciate those guys alex is truly the man um we don't have much time here with you i just want to get right to nitty-gritty um how did you become matt christensen the podcaster um <laughs> you know what what were you always in broadcast media was it something like oh i can do this too how did you come about and get into broadcast media? Uh, total accident I Actually, I got onto YouTube in about 2012, and I was doing video game content. And the reason I, I started doing it is because I played way too much Call of Duty back then. And I, I was living in California away from all my friends and my family. And so I spent way too much playing that game with them and not enough time, you know, making friends in real life like I should have been. But if you've ever played online video games and you've had interactions with the random people online, when they get really angry and they start talking trash, that's the interactions are hilarious. So I started recording those back when they were still good before, you know, Microsoft and Sony and the rest of them kind of clamped down on that. But I, I for, for several years, I made, I made videos on a really niche channel, just about people raging at my friends and me playing call of duty. Over time, it became harder to make that content because the companies cracked down on a lot of that chat that made it so funny but I had this established YouTube channel and I wanted to continue talking about stuff. So I just started talking news and politics and, and that sort of stuff uh, around 2015 or so. And I used to be uh, a reliable democratic voter. And around the same time that I moved away from video game content, it was right around the start of sort of the Trump era. And wait, wait, a lot wait. Of why were you a Democrat voter? Well, because that's what I thought. I thought they were the good guys. That's uh, what was it? Because like your parents were Democrat voters, or I I just always kind of had been. I mean, I was a mm. a big believer in sort of the social equality values that they were articulating, and I was a big believer in government's ability to provide opportunity where maybe business or private actors don't. Okay. And so you know, it was the Obama era, and and he was a very popular politician, and. I, you know, I don't say that with any pride. I wish I would have been smarter then, but I wasn't. You know, I was in my 20s, and there are a lot of things that I would do differently now if I were reliving them. Okay. But as I moved away from video content and into kind of news and political commentary, that was sort of the, the start of the Trump era. And 
back in 2015, 2016, I didn't like Trump really as a, a policy guy, mm. but I watched the people I thought were my team being progressives or leftists, however you want to characterize them, celebrating things like shutting down his rallies by force, other ways of, I guess, compromising the values that I thought we believed in, chief chief among them free speech. Mm-hmm. And so as I watched the betrayal of those values, I, I started to think over time, you know, what else are they wrong about? What have I been misled about? And that really has brought me to where I am today, which, you know, fast forward six, so hold seven on, years so hold on, after hold the on, fact. Hold on. So if I were to type in never Trump with your account, would it pop up? No, no, because I, I actually voted for Trump uh, in the primary of 2016. That was oh, wow. that was the first Republican vote I ever cast in my life. Mm. So it's always my relationship with Trump has always been more on like the entertainment level, even though I think he's right. done some or did some good things on, on a policy level. And um, and, you know, I, I would vote for him again and I expect to. Mm. Uh, it's always been just like for me, my appreciation of Trump is the show. Yeah, and I want to see the show continue Thanks. coming into 2024, which I I know, rationally speaking, is kind of a, a bad reason to support a candidate, or at least I'd like to have a, a set of policies I want to see pursued. But for me, I'm so disillusioned with D.C. and the idea that anybody's going to go in there and clean it up and fix it that I, I just want to see the, the show that Trump provides. And that's kind of yeah. where my mind was at in 2016, too. It was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I agree with everything he's saying, but the people who oppose him are dead wrong. And I love the show he provides. So whatever, I'm doing it. Yeah, that's I, 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 I'm here for this show. Like I was looking at, you know, what his cabinet might look like. And I uh, and you can tell me if you agree, disagree, substitute. But I had uh, Trump Prez. I had Vivek VP uh, and Laura Luma, press secretary with Sonny Johnson <laughs> as chief of staff. What do you think about that lineup? Uh, it would make for the show. It yeah. would make for the show. That's all I want is the Laura show. Loomer as press secretary. That's probably the most interesting pick among them. But like I said, I want to tune in. And if I'm thinking that the entertainment value here is paramount, uh, that would provide it. I would be uh, I'd be surprised to see Vivek picked, though. And I, I've been pleasantly surprised with Vivek, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I'd Who oppose it or something like that. But I who you got? I don't know. I don't. I well, I think there's prediction well, I, in who you want, right? So who's your yeah. prediction and who do you want? Oh, who who I want would be Rand Paul, and okay. who I want as president would probably be Rand Paul, but that's not that's not happening. Right. But a Rand Paul pick would be great. Who I think I was expecting or am expecting that he's probably going to go the woman route, you know? I but Nikki, I I can't imagine that. And he said something the other day or over the weekend to the effect of she's out, like she's not in consideration. <laughs> yeah, thank God. I, I've been talking to some friends about this, just, you know, like friendly bets about who it might be. And and my pick last week was Christy Nome because she's kind of okay just disappeared. She hasn't said much lately. She is actually the betting favorite, which surprised me when I looked it up. Yeah. But my friend pushed back on me and said, no way, because she had, uh, she is speculated to have had an affair with Corey Lewandowski. I'm not sure if that's legit or not. Yeah. But he was saying she wouldn't be brought in for that reason. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, I think Trump might go the woman route, and, and I, you know, I don't want people picked for their demographic characteristics. Sounds like DI to me. Sounds like the woke right to me. Yeah, probably. But I, I think, uh, I think that's the direction that's going to go. Then Why? again, I'm wrong in a, because I, I think that the whoever, I think the campaign theory is going to be we got to appeal to 
a certain we got to appeal to certain demographics who might not be in our in our camp. But one of which would be like deliver New Jersey because he's Indian. I'm not uh, arguing the wisdom of it. I'm just saying, like, I think that's the theory. I think they'll probably look at, like, where Trump underperformed last time around. And I know there are a lot of questions about last time around. But right. um, suburban women, for example, yeah. underperformed for Trump or he mm. underperformed with them. Yeah. To bring in a candidate who they think could pull that kind of vote, I think, is the theory they'll probably pursue. It's very safe. It's very boring. But I think that's probably the route they'll go. Maybe not though. I'm I'm wrong in almost all my predictions, so it's so that's trash. good news for you. I feel like the Democrats have done such a terrible job that you don't got to play this game this time around. Just come with the the big shots, you know. Let's go with an all male campaign. Women should be at home cooking and cleaning. We don't need them in politics, and just go from there, man. Uh, that would be interesting to see. Uh, Trump has a very wide latitude in things he's. His Overton window is very big, I guess. What he can say and people will forgive him. Not that I'm saying your point is wrong necessarily. I'm just saying it would be shocking from a mainstream politics perspective to have someone come out and say, you know, I don't think women belong in politics, period. If anyone could say something like that and maintain broad support, it would be Trump. Uh, I'd be curious to see how that what the reaction would be. All right. Let's get back to Matt. Matt's views. Um. So let's fast forward. You were not a never Trumper, voted Democrat pretty much your whole life, flipped a switch, voted for Trump. Um, and then at some point, the algorithm hit you. Did, did you experience some negative reactions from the uh, algorithms of the Internet? Yeah, uh, I think everybody who's in this sphere could could testify to it um mm-hmm. sometime around 2019 first there was the adpocalypse which i'm sure you're familiar with mm-hmm. where youtube started deciding what sort of safe content was going to receive ads or not mm-hmm. then around 20, 2019 into 2020 they started deciding who was a reliable news source or not mm. and you know very clearly my channel or channels like mine i assume maybe you're involved in that too you are not trustworthy to the people at youtube and so what that means is um, I've only I've only been suspended a couple times, like they've taken my channel off for a week or two here or there for ridiculous things. But what shut off at that time was YouTube's referrals to new traffic. So back in the old YouTube, if you made fantastic content that that people were engaging with, if you really put out something special and everybody was commenting on it, everybody was liking it that would get rewarded in their system. The system would respond and say, well, clearly people are engaging with this. That must mean there's something good about it. Let's push this to new eyes and and get it some traffic. Now, there is, at least on the channel that, that I have for myself personally, I have my own, you know, my own core audience that's very stable and I'm very thankful for. And, and um, you know, they're, they're watching our stream every Sunday. And, um, and when I was posting my individual content there, they're there every video. And so that maintains, but you can see in the, uh, in the channel data, YouTube sending that to anybody new, it, it's, it's a ghost town. Like it's, it, it does not happen. So this weird effect where like, you know, I exist in this kind of dark corner of YouTube. If you know about me or you've listened to my channel for a while, you're there. But nobody new will ever discover it. And it doesn't matter. I could break the most important news of all time. Not that I'm saying I was, but, you know, it doesn't matter what I post or the value in it. YouTube will not push it to a single new eye or ear. And that's been 
that's been frustrating for the last two or three years. Hmm. Yeah, I I um I look at it as a gift and a curse because on one way, like you've illustrated the curse, right? And the other way is like it's a gift because um, now I don't have to deal with the backlash, right? Like I say something and that means that an audience who would have never seen this won't see it. So I don't have to deal with their comments, their ignorance, them reporting my channel. I think you would get, if it was suggested, you'd probably get your account. You probably, your account probably wouldn't last, right? Like people would just report, report, report. And I think the yeah. same thing on Twitter. Are you, do you, how's the Twitter uh, algorithm tweet, uh, treat, treating you? Oh, I pretty much gave up on Twitter. And I, it probably would be better if I made a, if I raised the point, because I know that a lot of people who were formerly banned have had their accounts restored, um, for me, I was put into a bizarre ghost world on Twitter, too, where when? all of my content was sensitive by default. Like, I could post a picture of my newborn son. Yeah. And they would say, that's sensitive content. Mm. <laughs> like, it's behind a wall that you got to click. And so... When did this happen? Uh, probably about the same time. Pre um, or post like, uh, Elon? Oh, way pre. Wait, okay. yeah. And yeah. and ever and since he's taken over, you know, I, I still use Twitter as a news aggregator and to just promote my stuff. I don't really conversationally engage on it as much anymore. Mm -hmm. But I can see just as an observer, uh, it has improved quite a lot. And I know that for whatever whatever was applied to my Twitter account in the prior regime, if I just kind of complained about it to the right people, it probably would uh have whatever's going on with that taken off. But uh but I don't know. I just I became so jaded with twitter too it's like yeah whatever i mean i I'll, I'll promote my stuff here but i don't know what they're doing behind the scenes and i'll just i'll, I'll focus my energies elsewhere and you know what you said about um building an audience that uh that is that is loyal and, and an audience that's genuinely interested in what you have to say i've certainly experienced that and we've had um you know our show on sundays has done well over on rumble when i was still posting my individual material over there it was doing fine over there too so there are other avenues to build new things and um and and try to so what, reach new eyes and ears that way what do you what do you focus in your energy on you mentioned you're focusing your energy on other things like instead of twitter you're doing something else what are you focusing your energy on now oh i just i make my material and when i say other things i mean specifically like family um in the last couple of years i got married i've had i've had two boys one was born six weeks ago and so Congrats. thank you and um just the if you're on the internet all the time, it's a, it's a miserable existence. And I say that as someone who loves the theater of politics and I, I find a lot of entertainment in it. And of course I care about our society doing well. I want to build a good future for my family and my son. So it's, it's more than just entertainment. It's about the lives that they'll live. But I also recognize that if I sit on the internet and engage with every random person who wants to pick a fight with me about this or that, I will lose my mind and I'll, I'll have misprioritized my life. That's time I should be spending with my family and with my sons. And, you know, it's difficult enough to, I, I want to make material that's worth consuming. That's worth the time of the click. I don't want to put out stuff just for the sake of putting it out or that's a waste of someone's time that consumes enough of my time and energy that I just, I focus on that. I put it out there. Uh, people can enjoy it, hate it, whatever they want. But, but for me, the kind of social media interaction uh, is not, it's not something that I've no, put mean, a lot of energy into over the last few years. I, I, I think you nailed it, right? Um, you're talking about opportunity calls, why you're doing this, you could be doing something else. And that's how I view it. You know, instead of me sitting online, you know, arguing with strangers, 
I could be giving my attention to family, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's much better time spent. The ROI over there is much, much, much greater. Spending time with your kids is going to have a much bigger ROI than, you know, some troll, you know, bot online, et cetera, et cetera. So talking about Tenant Media, you signed with Tenant Media when? And what does that deal look like? How much money you get? What was the sign-on bonus? How much do you have in your checking account? I need all the details. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send over a bank statement right away. No, I mean, this is this is not like uh, – I, I wish that I could say I'm living on some, like, uh, fancy palace, you know, at, at some mountaintop looking down on all you peasants. It's 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 really not like that. But um, so Tenant – for me has been a great opportunity at the right time. And this was first pitched to me over the summer, uh, late June, early July. Are you, are you familiar with Lauren Chen? Yes. Uh, Blaze personality. So mm-hmm. she and her husband uh, came to me and say, Hey, we're, we're thinking about launching a new sort of media group. And we're, we're looking at, we're, we're trying to get a group together and we'd like to host their content and just build something that um, you know will be sort of an entertainment hub and hopefully a place where where we can post this content and maybe be a little bit safer from the forces of censorship and all that that are I think we all expect to come this next year and for me that's a very interesting opportunity I've always been a free agent working independently and I still am working independently I I I make the material for tenant I hand it over to them they don't they're not trying to tell me what to say or how to say it or anything like that which is of course crucially important to me. But she and her husband came to me and said, we're trying to do this project. We we like the stuff that you make. We would like to host it there. Can we can we work something out where we host this material? And um, I'm very interested in, in working with a group like that that isn't trying to control me or tell me what to say. And so for me, um, it was important to be able to participate in that while also not handing over the whole farm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, there is risk in starting something new. Tenant was started from nothing. They've got some big personalities on it, obviously, but as far as like the channel itself or the, the actual, um, the, the, the website, all of that, it was started from zero and there's risk in doing that. You know, just cause I ask my subscribers to go over to this new place doesn't mean that they do. I hope that they do, but you don't know that. Mm-hmm. So we worked out a deal where where I would bring over my individual videos that I make twice a week. They're usually about 15 minutes long, single single topic type analysis stuff, and um and and they will host those, and then and they're still free to play for anybody. They're still free to access for anybody. They're not paywalled or anything like that, which was also very important to me. And then I also uh, do a, a Sunday show, the Matt and Blonde show. Uh, and I've been doing that stream for, we started doing that summer 2016 and, uh, I've, I've kept that for myself. I've kept everything related to that for myself. That's still on my channel. And, um, and, and so that was a great deal for me too, to be able to take a, take a risk in, in trying to expand, uh, exposure to my content without handing over everything I have and retaining kind of that safe home base of my Sunday show and the audience there. And, and it's been great, man. Um, so what was the sign-on bonus? 100K, I, I, 2 million? How much did you get, man? I, I wish it was that high. Uh, I, I can't get into specifics. Did I mean, you get a sign-on bonus? To be transparent, there there is compensation. Oh, shit. Uh, but it, it's, not as, it's not as fancy as you might think. Um, okay, so you didn't get a Joe Rogan-type deal? Uh, no, okay. nor, nor do I deserve one. But um, <laughs> So how does yeah, the deal I mean, work? Is there like revenue share based upon viewers of your show how does that whole thing happen all they're asking for is just the the rights to host 
two videos of mine a week and I do a Wednesday stream as well. And that's all, that's all set. So Obviously. Did, temp- so do they pay you per episode? Do you get a salary? What does that look like? I can't get into the specifics okay. of the contract, but I, but I can okay. tell you, I mean, I want to be all in your business, man. I'm trying yeah, to, to be, be all tra- in your business, man. To be as transparent as possible. Um, there is, there is compensation, but, uh, but that's as much as I can say. But you can't tell us how the deals are structured. No, I, I don't. And I don't think that would be, I don't think that would be fair to them, but I, I'll tell you, Absolutely. if you, if you if you're interested in discussing kind of the business end of tenant, you know, uh, one of the reasons I'm so enthusiastic about the opportunity is because Lauren and her husband, I think, have exactly the right set of values and 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 have the right idea in their in their heads. And I think if you wanted to talk to them about it, they probably would be open to it. But sure. I can't I can't speak for them. And you know, it's it's not that I I understand that transparency is great, and I want to be as transparent with my audience as possible. But I also have to respect their end of it. And I, absolutely. I, no, I don't, I don't want, want you to break your up. NDA, your confidentiality agreements. Definitely not. Um, just very interested in how that business is run and how, you know, some of these media outlets are moving nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for my audience and myself, just for, you know, general education purposes. Um, the country is in a very weird place right now, specifically social media. Um, and in some ways it bothers me. Um, do you notice like a rise in white identitarianism, uh, um, happening online now, or is this just my imagination? Yeah, it, it'd be hard for me to measure it. Uh, but just in my own gut level, I mean, I would say yes. Uh, and, but I would offer just kind of my own experience and I don't really identify as a, a white identitarian, but I would say that a culture that is constantly, but Gavin McInnes, I think, put it best a, a few years ago. He said something to the effect of, I never really thought of myself as a white guy until you started telling me that I suck because I am. And then I looked it up and we made all the best stuff or something like that is what he said. Mm. This is a funny point, but there's some, there's some truth to it too. And I don't say that like with animosity toward other races or cultures or something. Yeah. It's just the fact that like, okay, a lot a lot of what has made America great was built by people of European culture and influence. That's Mm. just factually true. And I don't, I'm not saying that to exclude another people, but when, when someone tells me or implies that I'm a bad guy or that I have inherent privilege or that I'm oppressing others on account of my race, I think the natural reaction is to get a little more protective of that, to get a little more proud of that, to, Mm. to push back on that. So So who is that? Who is that? That is, pushing these concepts the white people suck concepts yeah i i think it's uh well there's there's been a lot of control uh seized in in centers of influence so whether we're talking about academia or media or i don't know whatever other politics obviously um who specifically is driving the anti-white narrative yeah i mean i I mean i I think you kind of nailed it right like with academia for example i think that's a great example of somebody who is wholly responsible for a lot of the agendas driven in this country um i think a lot of the pushback that i'm seeing online to that is sort of the aha it's your turn now right like especially from Mm. some of the black conservatives i see online i follow it's like that was what black men were getting. Like you guys are thugs and you're a detriment to society, blah, 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 blah. And then 
nobody really spoke up on our behalf, right? Like no, specifically conservatives, right? The only ones that really spoke up were white liberals and Democrats and not for good reason. So, you know, now it's like you're complaining and then we sort of look at it like, oh, well, why don't you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and stop complaining? And, you know, since you invented all the great stuff in the world, this shouldn't really affect you in real life. You know, that's sort of the pushback I'm I'm seeing online. Um, for me, it doesn't seem like there's a real reason to have some of the content that goes out. To me, it just seems like grifting, right? Like people kind of just want to get the clicks. It seems like it's just a clickbait thing now where they're pushing out all this. Hey, look, you know, Whitey got beat up by a black guy. You know, Whitey got beat up by this black girl in school, you know, that type mm -hmm. of stuff. So you really think there is a, a there's there is a legitimate reason to have this, I guess, white identitarian pushback. Well, I, I guess I understand it mm. um, in, in a perfect way. Like, I care about values more than I care about racial identity. Obviously, if I'm deciding who my neighbors are, I care about what their values are first and foremost. Yeah. On the other side of that, people of more of an identitarian inclination will say, yeah, but but values correspond strongly with race and culture, which I think is also an indisputable point. You know, mm. Crime rates are what they are. Uh, voting habits among racial demographics are what they are. So it, it's not with like any sort of enthusiasm that I say those things. I want all people to adopt good values that lead to prosperity for them, regardless of race. Um, and and I suppose you know you, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink, kind of thing. Like yeah. you can you can preach these values if 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 people don't want to adopt them and they choose, they make poor choices that lead to their own suffering. I suppose there's not that much that you can do about it. But but yeah, I don't I don't. Um, do you think white people are affected by this in the real world? Like uh, affected by what? Uh, this pushback against. I guess it, I want to say specifically it's about white straight males. Um, mm -hmm. And then they try to throw the Christian thing on there too. Do you think this stuff is leaking into real life and people are affected in uh, white men are being um, uh, targeted in real life? Or is this just like an online thing? No, I, I think it's quite real. Okay. Uh, one thing we were talking about on the show the other day, uh, white male recruits in the army are down something like 50% over the last five years, I guess. To your counterpoint, maybe that's because of some perception rather than anything actually going on in the recruitment. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I have a hard time believing that it's all just Internet culture that would lead them to stop enlisting in the Army. Um, I, I This week for my Wednesday show, I've been talking to a couple Boeing employees about this airline, uh, this, this door plug blowout on the Alaska air flight the other uh, week yeah. and about DEI within the company. And, uh, and these are two white male employees, but they're telling me like, yeah, this stuff is going on where people are selected for jobs on the basis of race or on the basis of gender or sexual orientation. And they're being promoted on those demographic characteristics rather than performance. Qualified, high-performing white men are being passed over in the interest of, you know, the diversity God or whatever. So is it um like i think everything is amplified or exaggerated on twitter surely or any place you have online anonymity you're going to see like the most extreme exaggerated example of everything but i don't think that the um the anti-white male sentiment is purely a figment of the internet i think there's quite a lot of reality to it if it if um 
I would say maybe it's not like the internet version of screaming in someone's face, you suck because you're a white guy or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's more just like, okay, it's time for uh, performance evaluation and performance. Do we pick uh, the diversity candidate here or do we pick the white guy who's been doing his job faithfully for X amount of years now? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 quite a conundrum for me because on one hand, I, I hate DEI. On the other hand, I know that black people, specifically from um, white liberal run companies, have experienced uh, discrimination, right? Like, you know, we had the Jim Crow era and then a lot of that stuff moved on and became a little bit more hidden. And um, so it's it's a very precarious situation between like, OK, there's really is racism. And then it's just like, how do you solve racism uh, in the corporate world? without it being DEI, right? Um, I, for one, if I'm flying on an airplane, I don't give a shit who they are. I just want the best pilot possible, right? However, I think my issue with the whole pushback on DEI is they play it as if it's a black thing. And from my point of view, it's not a black thing, right? Like affirmative action, it's been known affirmative action specifically helped white women. So when we look at um, something like DEI, DEI in some people's mind equals black. Does that does that compute in your mind the same way that DEI equals black or? I think, I think and I, I encountered this a little bit in the conversations I had with the Boeing guys that when they talk about um, promotions in the workplace and stuff, my mind tends to think racially first mm -hmm. when in multiple cases they were talking about gender or you know sex in the way that you yeah. were talking about women versus men as opposed to black versus white. So right. I do think my mind is sort of primed to think that, to your point, that it sort of defaults to race as opposed to other characteristics. Right. That's and so that's my my I'm sitting here looking at the stuff online or saying DEI and it's like they're mad at black people. I'm like, hold on. DEI is about the rainbow before we even get to that's the color they want is the rainbow before they even get to my black ass. Right. Yeah, so, I for example, if I went and did everything I had to do to become a great pilot, mm -hmm. I'm not passing the background check because I'm Hotep Jesus. I'm not getting yeah. that job because I'm black. I'm not getting that job because of my political views. You know what I mean? So it's just like hmm. DEI does not recognize race. It recognizes political ideology. And that's really what DEI is about. DEI is about who's going to follow our political ideology, that being cultural Marxism, um, the gender issue, and feminism. And I yeah, think if I th people spoke about DEI like that, you'd get a lot of black people like, yeah, I'm on board with these white guys. That's what that I is, see happening to That them. is interesting. And to your point, I guess, are there examples of people who are uh, like black people, women, um, gay people, trans people, whatever, who don't, who aren't in lockstep with the progressive narrative, are they selected for affirmative action or DEI reasons as commonly? My guess is no, to your point, if they're outspoken about it, at least. If they're right. outspoken in challenging that narrative, I, yeah, they probably don't count for the demographic checkboxes. Right. I think that's crazy to say. Right. So the fir first line of demarcation is political ideology. Yeah. And that, that doesn't sound crazy to me. Yeah. So that's why, to me, it's a bit frustrating watching it because I'm like, 
the black man is the white man's greatest ally and the white man is the black man's greatest ally. But somehow the powers that be got us looking at each other like we're enemies. And I'm like, nah, we're being divided based upon race while they're playing a political game, a political ideology game. Yeah. A cultural game, you know? Yeah. I, I to me, everything feels more racially charged now than in my entire life. Right. You know? yeah, I've gone to school with uh, all, you know, I never thought of race growing up in friends I had as much as I, I think about it now, but to your point, I, I often think about it like more defensively, you know, mm. I mean, I talk about facts are facts. The truth is the truth. They're among any group of people, whether you're di dividing by race or you're dividing by sex, or you're dividing by income or whatever, you're just going to have averages that are different across groups. That's just true. And I, there's no value in denying that truth. At the same time, though, I want to be, uh, I, I want to treat each individual who comes before me respectfully and appropriately. So it's not like if, if I see an individual black guy or an individual gay person or something, I'm going to make a whole series of assumptions about that person based on demographic characteristics. But to me, the, the reaction that I feel now is, is more, I guess, defensive. Mm. Like my brain is thinking, yes, what are they like to me? Yes. Defensive. What are yeah. they thinking about me? What, how, what are they assigning to me on the basis of say, like, I'm straight white male guy who believes in like traditional American values. I don't know. Right. And so that's the part that disturbs me as a man watching white men become defensive is a bit disappointing. I'm like, nah, man, grab your nuts and get on the offensive, man. Take your country back, man. This shit is fucked up. <laughs> that's true. And, and, and that's the other side of this, because even if these things, if this aggression or unfair treatment toward white men is real, and I believe that it is, okay. the answer is not to throw up your arms in frustration and quit and, and say that the world's against you and you don't stand a chance. Even if there's some truth to that, I think there is. The point is with everything in life, whether it's like a bully at school or it's the forces of society who hate you on account of your, your race and sex or your politics or whatever, when you assume the things you don't like in your life are your fault, even if they aren't, you will put forth the maximum effort to change them and your life will improve. And that happened for me personally, not for racial and uh, like not for race or sex or, you know, rainbow okay. reasons. Right. But, but because when I talk about when I was, you know, a reliable Democrat and in my, in my twenties, it just, I, I was more of a finger pointer, you know, like, Oh, yes. I don't like this, but it's that guy's fault. Uh, I don't like, I don't like this, but I can't do anything to change it. Yeah. Once I changed that attitude, it's like things started changing. My life got better. Now I've got my family and, and everything that's, everything that's worthwhile to me. And it's because I put in that effort and assumed that I could accomplish these things if I put my mind to it. So when I, when I raise my sons, that's the kind of thing, the, the sort of things that we'll talk about. Like, yeah, there's some, some people the, who don't like you on account of who you are, but it's your obligation to work past it still. And that's the, the, the other thing that bothers me is that's how men are supposed to think. And it's like yeah. the right is going on that line of live long enough to see yourself become the villain and it's mm. like, now you guys look like libtards. And, you know, now we're calling it the woke right, because now it's like, oh, I'm complaining about, you know, not enough diversity and what happened to me and woe is me. And I'm like, that's what you said the left was doing and you made fun of them. You can't do that now. Right. So. Um, and the other thing, too, is. Um, this isn't this isn't a. Okay, let me let me let me take that back. 
It's definitely an attack on white people, white men, straight white male, conservative specifically, but it's just that it's your turn, right? Like they already have destroyed black men. We're done. It's 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 a wrap for us. Um, so you're just next, right? But really, what they're trying to destroy at the core level is real positive masculinity. That's what's really being attacked here, so that there's nobody to protect the woman and the children. Yeah. And and you can see it's so interesting becoming a father the last couple of years and and my son my oldest son is just over two I've got a, a newborn now but watching my my oldest son develop you can see number one like there are things about him that are just programmed okay mm-hmm. he loves trucks he loves Tonka he loves all that loves playing around in the dirt in the backyard nobody primed him to like those things nobody told him that you're a boy so you're supposed to like trucks it's just programmed into him. And you can see that what he needs from dad and mom are two very different things. And the idea that that I'm interchangeable with my wife or something, we're not. I, I mean, when when he falls over, he gets a boo-boo, it's straight to mom and mom has to kiss it. When he wants to experience something new and a little bit dangerous and a little bit fun, well, it's off to dad because dad, you know, dad can, uh, <laughs> he can toss you around. He can take you out to new places. He can do all sorts of things that, that mom can't. And um and it's it's just very interesting to watch. Like you can see it through a little boy's experience, even though he's not even saying anything. Mm-hmm. His experience with his father and his mother is fundamentally different. Both are necessary pieces to his development and his upbringing. And when you when you diminish or remove masculinity from that equation, he's not going to be raised to be the same boy or the same man. Period. And it's um, and I would say the same thing for my wife too. I mean, we we when we mesh genders in this way and act like these distinctions aren't meaningful and men are women and women are men. You could be whatever one you want. No. I mean, the, the value that my wife brings to him is not just that she, she carried him and birthed him. It's that kind of nourishing comfort, uh, that, that stuff that I just can't provide, you know, like I I can't, like, I can't provide the same hug and kiss to my son, even if I tried, it's just not, Mm -hmm. it's like a, a mother's embrace is just different and what she does for him is just different and i totally agree with your point that um you start manufacturing weak men or no men at all you you watch social downfall and i think we're witnessing it i want to be respectful of your time and i know you got to go last question what is the greatest threat we need to look out for in 2024 this um uh very entertaining election year and disastrous and eventful what is the greatest threat we need to look out for in this year i wish i had some answer that that would be shocking but the thing is we've witnessed so much of it in the last few years and that's what scares me about trying to answer that question like what what is the next thing in 2020 i did not foresee crazy chinese virus uh you know that that upended everything and totally changed the rules of how we vote and how we interact socially um so i don't know i i don't I don't know. I guess I guess the most dangerous thing to me is just believing what you're told. Mm. Whatever is on the news as the thing, probably assume the opposite and you'll be in better shape. <laughs> I, mean, I hate to be so simple in the analysis, but it's so bad these days. Like Whatever the current thing is, is almost certainly a lie. We've seen a sequence of that over and over again. And it's not just a lie. It's a lie to get you to behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. And and exert a certain level of control over you on the basis of that lie. So, 
just just believing anything too easily, I think, is the greatest danger. I'd have to pick that. Hotep Jesus? Oh, this is a real hotel brother. Man, nailed it. Nailed it. I, that's that's the shit I'll be saying. Um, Matt Christensen, thank you very much for gracing the Griff Report. I have your um, X account description box below. I'll um, retrieve your YouTube and uh, would you rather the YouTube website? What do you want in the description box? You, best would be to direct people to my website. It's got everything I host there, okay. whether it's on my own or whether it's through Tenant. And it's uh, mattchristensenmedia.com. It's okay. a long last name. Can you send me the URL uh, yeah, in the can... DM? I followed you and I'll post it. Yes, I can do that as soon as we're – you want me to do that right now or when we're done here? Or we're done. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that uh, as soon as I sign off. Okay, cool. All you got to do is hit the leave button, and then I'll continue the show here. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Nice Pleasure, to meet you. man. Talk to you soon. What's up, people? Matt Christensen. Interesting conversation. Interesting conversation. Seems like an honest guy. What did y'all think about that? Thumbs up in the chat if you uh, you enjoyed that segment of the Griff Report. Thumbs up in the chat if you enjoyed Matt and some of the things he said. I thought um thought he was uh, on point. Catching up with the chat here, uh, Steph says Christy Noam would be a, a great pick. Yeah, people keep mentioning her. Sarah Huckabee. Ugh. I I I you know if you went women, I'm I'm leaning towards Carrie Lake. Leaning towards Carrie Lake. You know what up, Rue? Tell Grandma I said what up. Shout out to my rumblers rumbling. I see you. Let's take a look in the in the in the Griff bag. Why is why is Rumble not? You're supposed to update to the live. Is Rumble not rumbling? No, it should be rumbling. Anyway, um, all right, let's go to the tape. Let's see what we got in here. Hold on. I I kind of just been throwing stuff in here over the weekend. All weekend I've been laser focused on. Uh, men of order the rollout of the new product you know we have the uh, testosterone supplement out now uh, apex apex has apex since launch and it launched i want to say last wednesday since launch apex has outsold flow for the entire month of january so you guys must have some sort of desire for testosterone supplements and I'm in that same boat, too. Um, I'm a, a firm believer in Apex. Uh, I've uh, been doing a ton of research on the ingredients in Apex this weekend and trying to really understand what it is that we're putting into our bodies. And uh, from what I'm reading, I'm super excited. It seems like what's happening is, you know, to say this in layman's terms, the herbs are congregating around the sexual organs whether you're male or female the 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 the, the effects seem to be in that area uh, if you're in the chakras you know you're talking about the root chakra and the sacral chakra that entire area seems to be where these uh, herbs are activating and um you know some people are saying it's a testosterone booster and all these different things and um, I don't want to say it's a testosterone booster, you know, because it's not what it is. Really, what it does, it just helps your body stabilize the healthy amount of testosterone you should have in your body for your body type, size, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really what it's going to do. It's going to bring your body like from my research is showing that it brings the body back to homeostasis. 
uh, a state of harmony um, as opposed to saying, hey, take this injection, this booty shot. You know, you got BBLs for men called TRT and you're shooting yourself in the ass. And it's just like, I don't know if you want to do that. Um, something I'm opposed to. Um, and I spoke to uh, a medical doctor about, you know, some of these shots that people are taking. He's basically saying what happens is your body becomes dependent on it. So when you don't have that stuff, your body's not producing testosterone, a hormone. Uh, so that's why we take the all natural approach. We don't want to boost anything. We just want to help your body uh, create the right amount of testosterone for you. Um, I forgot to change the price. So it's still 70% off. So y'all should take advantage of that now and get grandfathered in at like 30 something dollars a month uh, for the Apex supplement before I remember to change the price. That being said, let's go to the bag. <sighs> Where should I even start? It's Y'all been so messy on the internet. Y'all been so messy. I, I want to look at this. <laughs> this is funny. Let's pull that up. What else we got here? Um, we got some World Economic Forum clips. You know, we got to look at that. I think that was last week. That was last week. White men no longer want to fight for a nation that scorns them. You know, that was what we were talking about with Matt Christensen, right? I... I, I, here's what I think. I think there's a bunch of different things happening here. I don't think it's just because white men are being targeted. I think it's just that everybody's getting red pilled and understanding that you are no longer fighting for freedom. You are fighting for the military industrial complex. Um, I also believe that we're raising a generation of pussies just, you know, for lack of a better term, please excuse my German, but we're raising a, another generation of feminine men. Um, the media, you know, these kids aren't growing up on the media. We grew up, we grew up on uh, Conan and Rambo. And when I was a little boy, I wanted to join the military. I tried to join the military. Uh, they wouldn't let me in because I had some legal issues. OK, which have been expunged thanks to my great attorney. <laughs> so I don't have a record, but at the same time, I couldn't get into the military. But that's what we wanted to do as young men. I think now. Again, the red pill, access to the Internet, all this information about military industrial complex, you couple all that in with the fact there's a lack of media that supports people going into the military and also the fact that everybody's effeminate. That that and I think the last piece is that because, you know, white men, et cetera, et cetera. Um, also, you know, when they say specifically white men. I mean, it's pretty much known that when it comes to recruiting, usually you don't got recruitment stations in white neighborhoods. You don't see them like the hood. You know, recruiters go to the hood to recruit. So So that has to be a piece of the puzzle too. That has to be a piece of the story too. The fact that there are more recruiting stations near, I guess, what are we calling us? People of color near POC. than there are your rich white neighborhoods, rich white neighborhoods have universities and Starbucks. And we got 
um, Habib chopped cheese and the recruiting center. So again, there's, there's a lot of different data points I think lead to, um, the lack of, um, enlisting for, uh, for white men. Um, why is it? I don't like that new feature in Twitter. I don't like that. It does that. The bookmarks act. They have a different behavior now. All right, let's pull this up. You know, I'm gonna give props where it's due. So, um, Patrick bet David, uh, the Iranian, uh, visited, he said he was craving a, uh, 7-Eleven hot dog. Now I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, you do not want to eat a 7-Eleven hot dog. You don't want to eat a hot dog, period, but definitely not a 7-Eleven hot dog. Would not recommend. You know how hungry you gotta be to eat one of those? Yeah. I think this was more of him trolling because again, like I said, he's Iranian and, um, the Arabs are known for, uh, running these types of joints. And if you look, uh, Vivek jokes and he says, thank you for coming. And don't forget to grab a Slurpee. I got to give Vivek props again. He's an internet guy. So he knows how to respond to things like the Babylon B. You know, most people want to get offended. And he's like, I'm not going to get offended. That's corny. That's whack. That lacks masculinity. So this is a very, very great take from Vivek. You run towards uh, the joke. You don't run away from it. And a, and a lot of people can can learn a lesson uh, about this. Just wanted to highlight that. That was some remnants of the Griff bag from last week. Let's go into this weekend. Um, we're going to talk about your homegirl, Nimarata. But first, I want to look at the World Economic Forum. I want to I want to go based upon my own interests first. Then we'll get to some of the hot garbage coming out of the political arena and the small brain shit people choose to talk about. If you go back really not not that long ago, as I say, we kind of we owned the news. We were the gatekeepers and we very much owned the facts as well. If it said it in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, then that was a fact. Nowadays, people can go to all sorts of different sources for the news and they're much more questioning about what we're saying. So it's no longer good enough for us just to say this is what happened or here's what here's this is the news we have to explain our almost like explain our working so readers expect to understand how we source stories they want to know um uh how we go about getting stories that we have to sort of lift the bonnet as it were and in a way that newspapers you know aren't used to doing and explain to people what we're doing we need to be much more transparent about how we go about collecting the news so what is she basically saying here if they got to be transparent now, what were they before? Obviously obscuring details. Uh, one of the things I like she said right around here, I believe. Getting stories that we have to sort of lift the bonnet, as it were, and how we source stories. They want to know um, uh, how we go about getting stories. That we have to sort of lift this is what happened or here's what here's this is the news we have to explain our almost like explain our working yes explain your working so readers expect to understand how fact nowadays people can go to all sorts of different sources for the news and they're much more questioning about what we're saying so it's no longer good enough for us just to say 
this is what happened or here's here's this is the news we have to explain our, almost like explain our working so readers expect to understand how we source stories they want to so you got to actually do some work now you can't just say something happened and expect people to believe that's how things should have been done all along we do that on this channel people have commended me they say hotep jesus when you say something you don't just say it and report it you actually dig up evidence and support it you think i do that because i want to create transparency you think i do that because it's good best practices um no that, that's not why i do that because otherwise I would feel fraudulent. Like just sit up here and be like, hey, X, Y, Z happened or here's why I think such and such and not back it up. I would personally feel fraudulent. I'm like, no, if I say this, I feel like so if I as an individual know it is wrong to say something without sources and evidence to back it up, you think these people in these think tanks don't know that? Of course they know. Of course they know. But the Hotep's making their job a lot harder. Now people want, now you got to compete with Hotep Jesus. Because Hotep Jesus is feeding the people. Let's go to the next story. We're going to go to phone lines in a bit. Text Hotep in your name to 202-596-5631. Text Hotep in your name to 202-596-5631 if you'd like to call in. Congratulations to... Senator Tim Scott, he said, uh, she said, yes, Mindy, thank you for making me the luckiest man in the world. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Proverbs 18, 22. So the internets have been speculating. Some people say he's gay. Uh, and this was an arranged marriage. I gotta tell you something. The timing of this is very suspicious remember uh who was it uh 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 cory booker uh yeah cory booker remember when cory booker announced that he and uh let me fix this rosario dawson were getting married and as soon as he was done on the campaign trail, they broke up. <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what's Tim Scott's goal here? Is it to get a cabinet position? Because that's what all these politicians are about, right? It's like you have to create this perfect image. And this perfect image means not having facial hair, wearing a suit and tie, um, got to have a wife, got to have a dog. These are the things that make you electable. Uh, just to show you how stupid Americans are. <laughs> Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. <laughs> this, is, this is how you get elected in America. Shave your beard. Put on a suit. Get you a wife. She ain't even got to be a real wife. And a dog. And now you're electable. <laughs> Damn, this might be the dumbest generation in all of humanity. I think we could take a caveman from like day one in America, and they'd be smarter than somebody alive today. I actually, let's give the gay, the, 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 the caveman a hundred year. Let's, let's do year 100. 
if if zero was the first time a human came out of a cave, a hundred years, I think they'd be much more intelligent than an American right now. Your average American. The other thing people are talking about is, uh, well, you know, I'm going to talk about it. Chat, you know what I'm about to say here? Do you know what I'm about to pull? Let's see how well the chat knows me. For a one month supply of Flow or Apex, what am I about to talk about? What am I about to point out here? Let's see who knows me. Let's see who knows me. Hmm? Renee Vogel. He beat everybody. Renee Vogel said it. He went and got himself a snow bunny. Uncle Hotep would be proud. Hit the like button. We only got 69 likes. 200 plus people here. Hit the like button. He went and got himself a white woman. Why every time these black conservatives pop up, they get a white woman? I mean, I don't have a problem with it. It just seems to be a trend. Now, I know it's very hard to get yourself a conservative black woman. That That is almost an impossible task. If you're going to get yourself, you know, the funny thing is you'd have to go into the Hotep community to get you um, a, a conservative woman. And she's only going to be conservative at home. Politically, she might still be um, a type of person that wouldn't vote for Trump. Um, but damn, like, this is what white men need to be complaining about. All these niggas snatching up their women. <laughs> Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Or maybe they are. <laughs> Let's go to the last story. We got Nimarata. Nimarata said, well, what did she say? Let me see if I can find a clip. I, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> that image is hilarious. Uh, where's Nimarata talking about, um, What'd she say? She dealt with racism or some shit like that. Who got that clip? I haven't watched the clip. And I spelled Nikki wrong. The fact that she even calls herself Nikki is just hilarious. Um, Okay, that's a side by side. I don't want that. Okay, here we go. Take a look at the clip. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. Does she look brown to you? So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've. What are the what are the requirements to be brown? Do you actually have to be brown? I don't know. Said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop, how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted to. I don't want to hear the rest of this. I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I think she did experience racism. I believe it. I believe it. Um, you don't, you don't exactly have to be Brown to experience racism. You just need to know, like 
little racist white kids just need to know you're uh, a part of the out group because that's really what this is is in group versus out group it's not really racism it's in group versus out group um inverse uh, in, in group versus out group based upon race which is cla classified as racism but at the high level which is in group versus out group um Dan, I, do I want to go into a, let's do a segue into discrimination, the, the, the nature of discrimination, right? So we take 100 people, we put them in a room, right? A comfortable room. And um, we put blue jerseys, put your name on the back, we'll give you numbers. Um, we'll even throw a ball in the room. And you got 50 over here and you got 50 over there. You know what? The people in the jersey colors of blue are going to congregate and the people of the red are all going to congregate. And if you imbalance those, the smaller group will tend to band together more strongly. Now, I don't know if there's any real experiments like this. The only one I can think of is the Stanford jump off that uh, the experiment with the uh, inmates and prison guards, which is more about power dynamics. Um, so that's why I didn't want to jump straight to that. But there is something about camaraderie and in group versus out group, our group versus your group that just comes very natural um, based upon first appearances. And then after that, how you think, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the longer the longer you let those people sit in the room, the blue and the red, what I think will happen is people will start exchanging jerseys. Like you'll find that this group over here, you know, may think a certain way and they're like, yo, get out of here. We don't even like you. John, we actually like you. Can we trade you? And you'll start to see people trade based upon, you know, ideology but they'll need the shirt to identify. So identity is very important for how we understand this world. And mostly because, um, well, we have eyes that allow us to see. Anyway, coming back to the point of the matter is, I think she probably did deal with racism. I, I, I mean, as old as she is, I know I dealt with racism. Unk has dealt with racism. Um, I don't know if she's dealt with it at the level we have. Um, I don't even know how you measure that stuff, but, um, to, to deny her, to deny the story, I think is, um, a political misstep, but it's not the right take to go, Oh, we don't believe you. Right. The correct take is from a political strategist point of view is, Oh, you're woke, right? that that's your woke, right? Like that's the term everybody's using. Just, just label her woke and keep moving because why are we talking about this? Why are we complaining about this? That's what the right talks about, right? Like they don't want to hear about racism and all this stuff. And again, it just comes back to the right is exhausted with the concept of racism, but denying her story, whether you believe it or not is, you know, one thing, but I'm speaking specifically for people with large followings, people with large followings, who say that it didn't happen, miss an opportunity to really get Nikki out the paint. Um, the, the, the proper way to handle this is accept what people say as truth 
then point out all the flaws in it. Point out all the flaws in how she talks about it, the story she brought up, relevance, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's the best way to go about all of that. You know, otherwise it's just like, you know, you got just acting like kids on the internet. Yeah, right. I don't believe you. Um, Found a photo of her when she looks young. She looks more ethnic. I'm sure she does look more ethnic then. You know, as time goes on, she wants to look more white. That's why she changed her name to Nikki Haley instead of Nemarata. She wanted to win in politics, change her name to Nemarata. The fact that Nikki Haley changed her name to Nick to change if the fact that Nikki Haley changed her name from Nemarata to Nikki Haley is proof that she feels like she lives in a racist society. That's proof within itself. Let's go to this last one here. Now this, this is what you call blatant hypocrisy. Now y'all know I love candy. Look at this. Again, political missteps. She says to everyone dunking on DeSantis' supporters, yes, there were definitely a large number of neocons, a desperate reincarnation of the 2016 Never Trump movement who got behind DeSantis. Those people will be voting for Nikki Haley. There is no question. Feel free to call those individuals out. We all know who they are. Excuse me. But don't let your resentment for those individuals make you lose sight of the fact that some people who supported DeSantis did so not because they were never Trump, who they voted for in 2020, but simply because they truly believed DeSantis would do a better job than Trump in the White House. We need those people to vote for Trump and to not be turned away because people are wrongly attributing to them what the more obnoxious DeSantis supporters believed. A little nuance goes a long way. We will need votes to win. It's that simple. Now, I'm just thinking to myself, who the hell went upside Candy's head with a brick and knocked some sense into her? Because now she's talking sense. However, this is hypocritical. What if, what if you took away DeSantis supporters and replaced it with Biden supporters. How would that turn out? You could apply that same logic to black voters. See, they didn't care. She didn't care when it was black voters because she was ingratiating herself. It was bringing her all this fame, right? She was playing into the white identity thing, the whole Christian thing. So it was good for her pockets. Uh, you know, DeSantis hate. There's nothing to win there for her on a personal level, right? But now she's thinking about the greater good. Now she's thinking about the election and votes. But this is exactly what we've been talking about with the black vote. We do not. We, we need these people. Now think about black people in this instance, black voters specifically, not black people, black voters. The two different things. We need these people to vote for Trump and to not be turned away because people wrongly attributed to them what the more obnoxious Biden supporters believed. Imagine if Republicans just followed that one rule she highlighted right there. Imagine that. How different this place would be. How different the political landscape online would be. 
a little nuance goes a long way. This is the nuance we've been asking from Candy for a really long time. Why do you guys keep saying shit that's killing the black vote, then complain, oh, we're not getting the black vote? So she got sense when it comes to inter-party beef, inter-party politics, but when it's intra-party, oh, now we got a, 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 a huge problem. You know, when we're talking about crossing that partisan line, now we got an issue. Every, every, all of a sudden, everybody loses their common sense. They don't know no better. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So I like that she said that. I just wish she would have that same energy for black voters. It just, I just, that that's what we've been saying, and nobody quite understood that. And mostly because everybody's grifting. Shout out to grifties.com. Make sure you go get your tickets. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and go to the phone lines now. Take so give me your name at two zero two five nine six five six three one. There's a story you think I missed. Pop it in the chat. Call in, and we could talk about it. Um, yeah, so I'll see you uh, right after this short, brief commercial break. <laughs> 